right. Well, once again, good morning and welcome. If I missed you guys earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community. Today, we are in the series finale of our series called Leading Through. We're talking about three essentials for leading and walking through times of uncertainty and how, how do we engage um, things that are very uncertain and what does that mean for our lives. And so we, uh, we talked about the first leading essential is uh, moral authority. We focus so much in our lives on positional authority. We've had elections recently, and we're trying to put people into places of positions. And positions are important. You need places, people in, in your life. You need to have somebody managing. You need to have a boss, whether you want that person to be your boss or not. These things are important. We need people to be in places of authority. And we put uh, so much emphasis on that, but we forget who really has decision-making abilities in their life. You forget the people that really have influence on you. And if you really think about it deeply, it is people in places of moral authority, people that you know that you can trust. And so whether it's um, in your neighborhood with friends or if it's a mom's group or it's classmates or whatever it may be, when you have a crisis, when something really gets, uh, you know, happens in your life that you need to share and you need to be able to say something out loud that you know that they won't say anything else about it, it won't leak out to anybody else, you immediately are able to think of the most trustworthy person in your life. You think of the person who has moral authority. And in times of uncertainty, our own lives, we are pushed to compromise. You just want to kind of ease up on things. You want to engage in activities that you know eventually will destroy you and you will destroy and, and compromise the moral part of your life and you will lose influence and you will regret that later on. We don't need to forget the importance of that. And then last week we talked about our desire in times of uncertainty is to cling to and to desperately find things that are certain. You want to bring the certain back into your life. But in, in uncertainty, you cannot guarantee that. And if you look at this deeply, you will, you will realize that so much of our stress and anxiety is on the search to bring back something that used to exist in a concrete, certain way. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, when we're leading ourselves, if we're leading others in teams, we can say out loud, I cannot guarantee this. We don't know if this thing you know, working at, at an office with other people. We don't know if, if job stability or economic stability or, or kids in school, whatever it may be, I don't know when that's going to be certain again. And what we need to pursue in those times is clarity. What can you do? What are things that you can pursue in your life right now? How can you work to, to put yourself in a better position financially? What can you do to work on your heart? What can you do to engage in relationships with one another? How can you encourage and lead your children to have strength and faith in hard times to give them strength to walk through something that's uncertain? There are clear things that we can do, steps that we can take that are simply in front of us and learn to trust God with that. So clarity. And today we're going to talk about the third essential, which I'll give to you right up front, and it is humanity, our need to pursue one another in humanity. And so we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. <clears throat> if you know me, uh, I've been a pastor for several years now, and uh, I wasn't always in this lead pastor role of leading uh, the entire church. Uh, I've, I've held different positions over the years. And in my early days, 
Uh, I worked on a church staff of a very large church. There were several thousand people that actually attended there. And so I was one of many different pastors on staff. I actually worked within the music side of things, the worship ministry at this place and doing various things. And, and so with a large church like this, um, they had worked out a system to engage with members um, when something came up. And so if somebody was in the hospital, somebody's sick, or somebody lost a loved one or had a financial crisis, and they would call the church when a huge church like this, stuff like that came up quite often. And there was actually a lot of senior citizens that attended, and so that increased calls. Well, who, who got the call? What did you do? So they worked out an on-call system similar to like a doctor or a hospital would have. There's a doctor on call when in an emotional place you have a pastor on call. So if you called, you would get somebody and it rotated between the many staff members. There's quite a few of us on staff. And, and so a couple times a year, uh, it would be my turn for one week, and they would, I would be handed the on-call phone. And it was a kind of a funny trade-off and where the pastor was like, has this great relief that they are, they are done with this service for the week. And essentially, when the office is closed, evenings and weekends, um, you would get uh, the phone would ring, and you never know what you would get. And I got some very interesting calls. One time I was asked to go to the hospital, and I had these credentials with the local hospitals as a clergy member. And I was told that Robert Thompson, in a large church, many times I had no clue who these people, I never met them before, and would walk into serious situations. But Robert Thompson was in the hospital, but they didn't know where he was, which one. They had just gotten the word, and I needed to go. So I was like, okay. So I guessed, I guessed, and went to a hospital, walked up, and asked if Robert Thompson was there, and guess what? He was. In fact, they were like, he just got out of surgery, and I was like, oh, wow. And they said, he's in the ICU, and the hours are about to open up, and as a, as a credentialed person with the hospital, I was, I was allowed to go in, and so I didn't know who, the, who was there, I didn't really know the scenario, and I walked in, and actually... Uh, I didn't, the other thing I didn't know was that this was not the Robert Thompson from our church. This was a completely random, total coincidental dude with the same exact name who had just gotten out of surgery. And I walk into this room not knowing that yet. And then there's a family standing around him, and he was either still um, just coming out of anesthesia or he may have been in induced coma. He had had some serious injuries due to recklessness on his part, which I got to find out. And uh, it was an awkward situation, which I was kind of used to, because in a, in a large church like this, in these scenarios, you walk in and you would, sometimes that's the first time you would meet people, whether whatever the circumstance would be. And they just thought that the hospital sent me, that this was some normal thing that you know a minister would walk in. And so they were assuming this one thing, and I was assuming another. And I said, my name is Wayne, I'm a pastor with this church. And they were like, okay. And, and so it just became really awkward. I think I may have shared a scripture or prayed with them. I asked about the story, and it was really interesting. And there was a weird family member that just kept staring at me the whole time, and that was weird. And eventually, you just, I got that feeling, I don't know if you've ever had this, that something is just not right. And so finally, I just asked, um, do you go to our church? And they were like, no. I was like, so nobody called? They're like, nope. We just thought you showed up. And so there you have it. It was interesting. You never knew what would happen when you were on call. And, and the, 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 
way that they went about this was, was good, but it also was bad because in a large church, they wanted to make sure that everyone was connected, that they didn't have any problem that wasn't taken care of. That was important, and so it played an important role. But it was also more symptomatic. Excuse me, not symptomatic, systematic. And so it wasn't always personal. And sometimes when I walk into a situation and I knew somebody, I would be immediately relieved because I could, I could then take, make a personal connection. We had a relationship, and that made it much more meaningful. Our humanity, our ability to connect and love one another is, is very important. So we're going to talk about how crucial that is, especially in, in a pandemic, especially in times of uncertainty. Even if it's not a pandemic, you will walk through uncertain times in the future again in your life. And so what I want to do is, is lead you to something that is all throughout Scripture. And Jesus talked about this quite a bit. In fact, it's one of his um, favorite references. Um, and he has been leading. He was in, in the full-on part of his ministry, in his public ministry. And he was going from city to city, from town to town, teaching. And people began to follow him. And huge crowds actually began to amass around Jesus. And so he had been in a particularly stressful season of hands-on ministry. And Jesus and his 12 apostles, which were his, his closest followers who he was teaching and leading, um, they decided to go out of town for a break. They needed to get away and just pause. And so they go out on a boat, and this is found in Mark 6. This is verse 32. And uh, it says, They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And it continues, it says, But many who saw them leaving, recognized them. They were trying to get away. So I think this, this speaks to the fact that they were kind of like, hoods up, Let's, let, we just need to get away. And there was a huge crowd of people. And, and so there were so many people around, however, that people were like, that's them. And they spotted them and recognized them. And they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So word begins to spread. And they can see that, hey, they're going across this body of water. And apparently they're really bad rowers. This is not motorized boat, okay? Just so you know, the time and reference of this, they just couldn't power it there. And so people were running faster than them, which kind of questions the boat strategy. But anyway, they get there ahead of it. And so it says when they landed, when Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd. And it's just like, I, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. It's like, probably, at least his disciples were like, oh. And so what does it do? It says here in verse 34, it says, he got back in the boat and went to an even more solitary place. He's like, row faster, go the other way. Is that what they did? Some of you are like, I don't read scripture that often. Uh, it's been a while since I've read Mark. No, it's not what they did. All right, uh, that didn't happen. It says, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowds, what it really says is that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. In fact, it was like an all-day engagement. He just continued to lead in. And right here, this, this, this analogy that Mark is bringing before us is that Jesus said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus talked about, and we're going to see this in a little bit, where he, he referenced to himself as 
the good shepherd. We need someone to lead our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about the term pastor. I get up on stage, and this is something that we use, in, especially in our Western American culture, but we say pastor. And in some traditions, it's different. And maybe you've grown up in a tradition that said father or elder or whatever it may be. But have you ever thought about the origin of the word pastor? Like where did that come from? And the answer would be no, probably not. Only someone like me would. And what's interesting is it's, it's not a great translation. Uh, out of the, the, the Greek and all the, the things that it came from, and it's actually the best translation is probably shepherd. And you do see shepherd reference, and it's almost intermixed. But our word pastor, in fact, has a shepherd-type reference. If you ever think about the word, uh, it, it comes from this you know, pastoral uh, type of, you know, along you know, some kind of scene out in nature. It has roots there as well. And so it comes from this word, and it's actually better translated as shepherd, one who leads. But I think we struggle with this because we look at the pastor as the person of, who's been ordained. Maybe they've been through school uh, or, or seminary or some kind of training, but you don't even have to do that to be considered you know, what we have referenced as an elder, but that's what we view it as. You are someone who's been put into this position. You've been affirmed by people. I've had that happen in my life, to, to be an elder in the church. But it's really important to, to look at this and, and understand this really from the view of shepherd, because this is not something that's just reserved for me. And we're going to look at that dip, uh, a bit more deeper and how this applies to you and then how that then gets uh, into our time of uncertainty and how crucial this is. Here's Jesus talking about this. This is found in John and his written account of Jesus's life. And it says here, uh, John 10, verse 3, he says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is talking about a shepherd and, and God's, how God leads us. He says, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. He talks about the shepherd and he's really referencing himself. He says, he calls them by name. He knows them personally. And he leads them. When he, le when he brings them out... He goes ahead of them. He walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They, they know who he is. They can hear his call. Even if they can't see them, they're like, that's, that's my shepherd. And I'm following him. And we see this reference over and over in scriptures through Jesus' own words. And then his followers who wrote letters afterwards, understanding his teachings of us, reference this. And we'll see a couple here in a little bit. But God leads us as a shepherd, and this is the key for us today. Is, and we'll talk about a couple key points. But the first one is this, is that you need a shepherd. Whether you are willing to need it or not, no, admit it, excuse me, or not, you need a shepherd. You need someone to guide and lead you in your life, and, and, and especially in times of uncertainty. You need people that can go along with you and be voices of reason, remind you of the good things and walk you towards life. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are or how strong you think you are in your life. 
And you might look at someone else and be like, this, they don't need a shepherd, and I probably don't need it either, because you think that they are strong. You think they are very successful. But it doesn't matter where you were at, on, so, to spoke in, so to speak, in our food chain. You need someone to lead you in your life. You cannot do it on your own. And you might be able to, to fake it for a while. You might be able to fake it for a decade or so. But eventually, it will come crumbling down on you in ways that you don't realize. God has made you this way. And in fact, God doesn't even exist in isolation. You need someone. And so the first part of this is that you need to let Jesus be your shepherd. And if you are someone who is pursuing following Christ, and you're on a journey towards him, I think this is a phenomenal place to begin to pursue. As you begin to look at maybe Jesus as a good teacher who's got a lot, you know, good life wisdom and words to you, maybe you see him that way. Maybe you're just exploring this idea of, is Jesus the Son of God? Is, is that really true? Did he really rise from the grave? Was he killed? And then did he, did he defeat death and grave? Because that really is the question that you start with when it comes to pursuing Christ. And if you are on that journey in pursuing him, I want to encourage you to, to ask this question. What, is he a, a shepherd? Not just a good teacher, but is he a, someone that leads you and leads us? And can you follow him. And I think those are amazing opportunities for you to begin to look at his teaching and take steps of faith. And if you don't know where to start, start reading the, the, what we call the, the Gospel of John. John wrote this epistle, this Gospel, to help you know that you can believe that Jesus and to know that he is the Son of God. And find something that he says to take a step of faith with. If you're a Christ follower walking through an environment of COVID right now, do you see or have places in your life where Jesus is being your shepherd? That's the starting point. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Do you have a place in your weekly rhythm where you're allowing him to speak into your life through reading a scripture or through prayer? This is essential, essential. You cannot do this alone. And so you need to have Jesus as your shepherd. But you also need others in your life. You need others in your life. You need other shepherds. And this is going back to my question about, have you ever thought about the word pastor? Because we really need to think about it in the terms of shepherd. You cannot do this alone. And then the other part of this is I can't be your only shepherd. We, we are encouraged all throughout scriptures to shepherd one another. You see it through the early church and the apostles that began to lead the early church. It was clear that we need many people to shepherd, to shepherd us in our life. And in God's design, he is our great shepherd. And then we are to shepherd one another. This is key. I cannot be your only shepherd. And many of you engaging in the church, and this is an okay thing, look to me and look to, to someone to be your pastor, to be your shepherd. And I can speak to many of you today 
If it was possible, 2,000 people, it is possible. If this actually happened, it won't really happen. But 2,000 people could log on to our live feed right now and watch. And, uh, and that could happen. Everyone could be pastored for this small window of time that I'm speaking right now. But that's not really going to make an impact on your life. At some point, I cannot connect to every single one of you. In fact, here at Downtown Community, we know that there's probably – uh, 100 and at least 150 adults that are engaging with us every single month, and I believe it's actually much higher than that. But we know personally around 120 to 150 of you. And it was actually much higher than that pre-pandemic, but as you guys, have, some, of, some of us have scattered and gone to different places and are connecting there, wherever they might be in the city where they live. But there's still a significant amount of people. It is, it is not possible for me to connect as a shepherd to every single one of you. We have kids, many kids engaging with us on top of that. We know, people have researched this, that maybe I can impact 100 people, but not in, in continual direct engagement, but more in, in reaction to any needs that come available. But my role isn't just to be here on Sunday speaking. It's also... Uh, running the, a lot of the administrative parts of our church and finances and other things, it is impossible for me to connect with every single one of you. And that wasn't God's design. We need overseers and we need elders to shepherd, but we are also called to shepherd one another. Jesus sent all of us out. We have the great commission from Christ. He says, go and make disciples. We, we read that last week. That was to everybody. That's why when we have baptism here at Downtown Community, we, it's, it's everybody that's been involved in that person's life. It's part of that baptism because it's a call to every one of us. You need Jesus as your shepherd, but that will not work on itself alone. Jesus made you for one Another. He made you for one another. And so I want to ask you this question. Are there places in your life, are there places in your life where you are shepherded back to safety? I'm not sure how to say that. Shepherded back to safety or shepherd back to safety? Didn't get the pastor grammar training as much as probably should have. Are there places in your life where you're shepherded back to safety? In morality, when, when things are stressful, when work has been ramped up, maybe your pay has been decreased, you're, you're working in an environment that's not optimal from home with unstable internet, you're on video all day, or a job, you know, the job stress is higher. You don't want to lose a job. So your bosses know that and take advantage of it and push you harder than you normally would be. This is happening all over. It's within our church family. And the stress goes up. And the temptation to engage in destructive things goes higher. And you know this is not good for you, but you still do it anyway because you are hurting. How do I know this? I'm doing it too. And that's why it's so important that we have Jesus as our shepherd, but we cannot do this alone. You need others in your life. 
that can, if anything, be able to speak and remind you of the, the principles of Christ and the, and the things that lead you towards life. That can remind you of his grace and the need to walk away from this. I have people in my life that I have assigned to these roles and I engage with regularly. There are elders in my life. There are other people. I have a dinner group that I'm engaging with weekly where we talk and share with one another. I have other pastors in the city that I engage with in Jersey City and other, other pastors I'm doing training with in the city via Zoom. And it, they're reminders for me. I, yesterday I had a call from an elder in my life and he was just simply out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. He just, it was simply a call of, how are you doing? And that is key. I am encouraged by that. And I have a place where I can be honest and say, I'm struggling here. And this may not be, seem obvious to you, but this is important in, in our morality and our temptation to be pulled away. But even in, 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 our, in our desperate search for certainty right now, there's a lot of anxiety with this because you can't find it. And people in your life, in community, Will, and shepherds will bring you to places where you understand this is not certain, but here are clear, simple steps that I can engage with. This is why we have dinner groups in our church family. It helps serve this purpose, that you have dinner group leaders who are helping shepherd you, but it's also a place for you to shepherd one another. Love one another. I cannot do it all on my own. God has designed our church family for us to engage with one another. You need others in your life. So do you have places that are safeguards that will bring life into you where maybe you've had a tough week and you are struggling and you are down about whatever it could be and suddenly you've got dinner group that comes up. Suddenly you have a monthly call that you do with a friend or something along those lines. It's something that will encourage you. It pulls you out of that moment. You need others, other places for you to do this. You were not made for isolation. You were made for others. It's what makes Christianity unique. God himself is not alone we serve one God who is the Trinity, and we don't fully explain it, understand it honestly, but it's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they were so in one together that they are one. But God is, this is the best news that you could hear, and it's unlike anything else the world is trying to offer or any other kind of religion, because God is in a relationship where they are serving one another, giving and serving and sacrificially. And then Jesus came out of that and did the same to us and came and engaged us and sacrificed himself for you and I. Even God does not exist outside of relationship. Jesus showed us this. God is not alone. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. You cannot, if God doesn't exist like that, there's no way that you can. It's impossible. And it will destroy your life to be fully isolated. And so today, I just want to say, if you are disconnected, come back. Take a simple step to come back. If anything, just engage with us on Sunday and say hello on chat if you're online. Maybe you join a dinner group, you've never taken that step, or engage with us in our connection path process. Today, we're doing the second step. It's follow. 
We'll do the welcome gathering in two weeks, for three weeks on December 6th. Find places to engage. And so you need a shepherd. You need God and you need others. And the second and final thing is this, is that you also are called to shepherd. And it's kind of implied in everything we've been, we've been talking about. In, in Acts, Paul, Paul says, um, he says, I can't do this on my own. If we go to verse 28, the next screen, he says, he says, guard yourselves. He says, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church. And Peter, Peter says, to the elders among you, I appeal as, as a fellow elder witness of Christ's suffering. He says, be shepherds of God's flock under your care. And if you look all throughout scriptures, it's just one another, the one another appear over and over again. You will find purpose in your life when you love others. We need to take time to consider humanity in your jobs, in leading, especially during uncertain, difficult times, in your families, wherever it is, wherever you have roles. You need to first engage others, our humanity. How are you doing? How are things going in your life? What's amazing is when you serve and love others, it has a dual effect on you. It fills them up and it fills you up. We want to just serve ourselves. Yeah, feed me. Come and shepherd me. I want to get it all. I want to get it all. And, and, and you will constantly consume, but you will never feel satisfied until you take the step of doing that yourself. New City Kids is a great organization. We actually have some people serving there right now uh, through an event this morning uh, here in Jersey City. I'm going to mention them a little bit later, but they have discovered this. They, they engage youths in underserved areas of our city who go through traumatic things. And what they have found, what brings them out of trauma into life-changing steps of finding Christ, suddenly going to college as a first-generation student, graduate schools, and then their, their families are changed because of this. What has changed their lives is them engaging. They give them opportunities to serve others. To high schoolers from hard areas are teaching elementary and middle school students music and after-school studies. It is an action of serving that changes them. It's a critical part of how you were made to be. And you will, whether you believe in God or not, just, just do this. And you'll find purpose. We'll go on back to John 10. He says this. He says, He calls his sheep by name. This is Jesus speaking. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then Jesus says this, a couple of verses later, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. He's only in it for himself. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He doesn't have any stake in this. He, he's not in it for the sake of the sheep. He doesn't stick around. In times of uncertainty, the wolves in our lives are howling. 
They're gathering up. And it's in those times we want to be a presence in others' lives and have others shepherding us. And it's simple. How do you do that? You do the simple thing. You make a phone call. Write a card. Don't just text. Texting is a good start. But actually talk to them. Get them on Zoom. You know, you don't want to, you're tired of Zoom. I don't care. Get them on Zoom. See them. One of the most impactful things for me, and I'm going to end with this, is um, several, years, several years ago, uh, a friend of mine here in Jersey City, his, he had been part of our church from time to time, and his sister um, died tragically in a car accident. It was sudden. And it was tragic. And I got that call. It was around a holiday, which made it even harder. And I was away, actually. And it wasn't the initial things, you know, reacting and engaging and having conversations. Um, when, I, when I react to that many times, that, that feels like it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to say, I'll have an easier thing to engage. Because we send flowers. It's, and we pray, we share scripture. But in the, in the weeks after um, is when, it, when it's harder, when reality begins to seak in and all the chaos of everything happening after that it begins to happen. And I remember thinking, I, I didn't feel prepared. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm hired to do that. And I think we would think, well, that you should know how to do these things. And I had not had a lot of tragic events being in my life. I didn't have all the wisdom to share. I didn't know what to say. And, but I knew I needed to engage his life. And so I just said, I'm just going to invite you out for coffee. And I, I, I decided ahead of time, I'm just going to engage this. I didn't know what to do. And we would just sit and talk. And many times it was just in silence and wasn't easy. I didn't know all the things to say, but I just wanted to be that friend who was there. And that was what I did. And it, I didn't have I didn't have profound things to say. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. But it was just doing what I could that was in front of me. And what's interesting is a year or so later, he actually gave a TED talk in a regional local event about the subject of death and what he had learned from it. And it was fascinating. There's a couple things he brought out that struck me deeply. And I, remember I got to go to a live, which was really fun. And he, he said, he said, at one point in time in our country, grief was a lot more common. And it was an outward expression that people used to wear sashes or badges on their arms. I don't know if you've ever read about this, to show publicly that they were grieving. And, and it was a time when, when there was a lot more sickness in the world. We hadn't advanced as much medically and scientifically and te- with even with technology. And, and, and so it, death was much more apparent, but it was also just something that was a commonplace to acknowledge this publicly and as a way for people to show compassion for them and to not fake it. To be like, yeah, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay. And, and then you suddenly find out, well, I didn't know this was going on in your life. And we've kind of sanitized that out in our culture. And I really believe this is the reason why COVID has been so hard because we don't see the suffering. It's not necessarily any less in our culture and our world. We just push it away. And eventually the sash was 
kind of overused and people start doing it for other things and it caused it to go away. But then he said that the most impactful thing to him in walking through that was someone hugging him. He was like, what do you do when you have a friend that goes through something hard? He said, give them a hug. It speaks more than anything else that you could do. And I was like, wow. The most simplest thing was what he needed. God has made us for one another. And you won't know all the things to do when you shepherd and, and you speak into people's lives. But God has designed us. This is what he's given us from the beginning. The church, how we exist, is already ready for the world. And in COVID, I want to encourage you, church family, to find ways to take steps to love one another. I want to encourage you to get out of isolation. I'm not saying that we're all good, suddenly going to gather and hug. Hugging is a little hard right now. But do the simple steps. It makes a massive difference. God has called you to be a shepherd. You can't do that without him. First, Jesus is your shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need him and you need others. And then you need to take the steps to love one another. Don't pull back. Do everything you can to keep engaging. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are and your words to us today. God, I pray that we would be encouraged to know that we have been called to this. God, I pray that we would not sit in our brokenness, that we would get up because of your righteousness, because you said that we could in you. Jesus, I pray that we would discover the joy of surrendering to you, our shepherd. You know what we need before we even know it. Help us to trust you, our perfect, loving Father. In Jesus' name we pray.